You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers. One of the many things that I love about Starset and what they are doing is that it seems like, first of all, their lyrics are super clean. You can literally bring your kids to the shows. You know, they're like super clean. They're very deep. And there's a lot of fans that come up to Dustin. Like I've seen it so many times. They come up to Dustin and they're like, man, thank you so much for saving my life. Like it's, it's, it's unbelievable. Like it, how many, how many lives warts can save. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of 2020. I'm Siobhan Cronin here, as always, with Ben and Corey. We just want to remind you, please go and subscribe at 2020-d.com. Check out the YouTube cast. Always yes. tune into the video. So many great details you're missing out Every on. Every time you subscribe, we get so happy and we dance. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an endorphin rush. Like You know like how Facebook and Instagram doesn't matter anymore? When you do the YouTube, we're so close to monetizing. We could make that $3.16. It's like the carrot. But all we need is like eight more subscribers. So just tell your friends on the bus. Do it. Yes. Well, yeah. Okay. I mean, listen, we, we, we've broken 100 episodes where we have so many other great guests lined up. So you don't want to miss out for sure. But before I get but into this that. This guest is good. This guest yeah. is great. She's maybe one of the best guests we've ever had. In fact, she's so good. I can't even afford her at my party. So this is Zuzana, part two, Z from Starset, my my bandmate, cellist extraordinaire. Las Vegas yeah. wedding planner to the stars. Yeah, but all, all you Starset fans that listen, all 12 of you, um, <laughs> you will like this episode a lot. There's a lot of Starset talk, a lot of tour talk, all the, all the fun things. Yeah, and a lot of behind the scenes. It was fun to talk about it. Yeah, and uh, and also I, I think it you know definitely a different perspective on on touring in general. So anyone that you doesn't even know or care about Star Set, you'll also enjoy it. <laughs> it's interesting. There so you go. And all you around. Really, you really, I think she really brings out again how important like the dynamics of someone like a Baccarini is to bring to a rock band as a cellist. And it's very interesting to see it from the point of view of somebody again with a Baccarini like attention to detail for dynamics. All right, and before you scare okay. everyone off, we're gonna dive right into part two with Susanna right here on Twenty Twenty. With the cement, subscribe. Uh, welcome to 2020. My name is Corey Peza here, as always, with Benny Goodman and Siobhan Cronin. What's going on, guys? Hey, happy to be back here for part two. Yeah, with our Howdy. vices. With our vices. <laughs> yeah, right? We, we only Ro made it, barely made joint. it through one episode yeah. before having to get the drinks going. <laughs> well, Su I love Susanna so earnestly looked at us and she's like, wait, are we allowed to like drink? drink on yeah. this thing we're like oh yeah you should totally drink it makes Apparently things way I didn't easier give a good enough disclaimer but i'm gonna let Corey introduce our guest for anyone yes. who hasn't listened to part who, one yet who's been trying to cheers us for a while now so <laughs> Susana, welcome back cellist of star set uh pop strings uh 
epic cellist who learned how to stand up and play and look badass which if you is, like the you raiders know, you yeah. hear her she plays <laughs> she plays at the house band at the raiders for sixty-five thousand people you might know them they, they, they play football i don't know it sounds <laughs> kind of like new york boston maybe i don't i don't even know what that is I just feel like if you like sports, you have some sort of annoying towny accent. So that's like my generic annoying towny accent. All right. Well, moving on, plowing ahead. <laughs> if you want to hear about her story, kind of getting into music and, and, and coming to America and all those fun trials and tribulations, go back, check out part one. But in part two, uh, I want to hear about your experience touring with our favorite second favorite band on this podcast star set <laughs> <laughs> first being our sponsor lost symphony <laughs> which by the way it's a badass i i admire everything you guys do it's oh. it's such badass yeah Thank it's you. amazing i yeah. think i think i speak for all of us but I, for me too um that if we do any more Lost Symphony, which some people talked about, but like this is also like a boat. So it's like, do you want to go boating again? Well, it depends if we can pay off the fuel. But like <laughs> if we do go boating again in the Lost Symphony universe, I would hope it would be with you. Because you are excellent. Because for everyone that's listening, I'm working with this crazy dude from Mexico named Hector Hellion. And I put uh, Mariko... And Susanna and Siobhan together on the same track. And let me tell you, it's like crossing the streams in Ghostbusters. These three women are all savants. And it makes me feel like I'm a goddamn Nobel Prize winning production guy just to make it balanced and sound good because they're so good. Oh, that's a story in itself. <laughs> that's another cocktail hour. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll I'll start. Yeah, I'll start with a funny story. Speaking of joining Star Set and being new, and then Z, you can pick it up with your experience. But you know, the funny thing always when a band changes members is like, okay, how is this going to like upset the apple cart? So you, I'm sure you can talk about like what you were anticipating with me or with the band members. But of course, you know, we've all met Mariko. If you haven't listened to the podcast we did with her, go back and listen. But you know, very sweet. We got like a a good chemistry going, and then when she was leaving, I was like, oh my god, damn! I was like, what if this girl is a bitch? What if she's mean? And then I looked, I'm like, she's so pretty. She's from Vegas. I'm like, this is not going to be good. <laughs> and then she showed up and she was like, Z was the nicest person. I remember when we picked you up at the airport, you were like right into business. Like we are getting you from the airport and going directly to a festival, like never played with us before. And she's just like super chatty, like asking all these questions, like so friendly, probably hasn't slept at all. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> the level of relief I felt, I was like, thank God. I was like, because as we mentioned in the prior episode, it's yeah, it's totally a crapshoot if you're going to get a completely insane string player that will is it ruin like your go, life. Is, is it like going to the dog show and the dogs are so elitist they don't even smell each other's bums? They're just like, <laughs> eh. And then, but, but when you see that they're playing with each other, it doesn't matter if it's a German Shepherd or if it's a poodle. They're just getting along like doggies. Any musician that's kind of in the hired gun, you know, jumping around project to project, there is a kind of a mandatory temperament that you have to have otherwise you wouldn't be getting those calls i mean i would i in my experience like have you guys run into someone who's i guess it would have they would have to be so amazing that people would look past it but have you encountered someone that like you know you just got to on a gig and you're like why is this person here i think it's star set in star set we i think we're kind of lucky with that like i feel like everybody is like super nice you know i mean we have good days and bad days of course you know after right. being on a tour 
for like six weeks, you know, you want to kill each other, you know, but <laughs> it's just kind of like normal, you know, um, you know, you're, on, you're a touring. Is it Adam first? Do you want to kill Adam first? <laughs> it's always the drummer, dude, because he's like the troublemaker of the band. I love Adam, but like, I feel like Adam is so much fun. But then like, you just wake up the next day. You're like, Adam. <laughs> no, no, I think we are all pretty much good people. Yeah, no, we are. I mean, but I agree with you. Like, in some ways, it's, I mean, yeah, I think you're right, Corey. Generally, I would say across the board, most people that I've met in the high-end gigs that are doing it full-time have a great Uh temperament because you're not going to get there if you don't. But, you know, again, there's always situations where it's like, oh, crap, we need somebody that's available for two straight months and we need them two weeks from now. So sometimes that limits your pool, you know, and- There is always that. You're held hostage by your employees. Right. Yeah. There is that risk. And I, you know, Z and I both also have our own businesses where we hire people and, you know, string players and other musicians. And that's something you encounter all the time where it's like, yeah, ideally you're going to get someone on the top tier that has all of the things you check all the boxes. But there's always that risk where it's like, we might have asked somebody that's coming on tour with us for two months that is going to turn out to be a pain in the ass on week two. The the last minute stuff can can definitely get funky and, and that, yeah. that and happens ca- yeah. yeah it happens i think at, at every level because there's you know if you're in any sort of music scene uh at whatever level there's always going to be someone either sending emails or texting or posting on social like i need someone tomorrow i right. don't care if you have eight <laughs> fingers like it right. just just show up you know oh yeah <laughs> totally have been there yeah yeah uh, but for me like when when i joined the band i i actually got lucky because i had i had a couple months of preparation Mm-hmm. Um, and then Marika was amazing. Like she wrote all the charts for those first two albums that they already had. And then the visions, I kind of had to like write my own charts for that, but it was a big, big help that she wrote all the charts for the first two. So all I had to do was just listen to music and memorize it, you know? And then, um, and then, yeah, I was shitting my pants before I went to Columbus for the first time. And I remember they picked me up at the airport and we went straight to Dustin's bar, right? Right. Salem, I think. And there was a, that was my first performance at Salem, which was kind of like a free-for-all because like you couldn't hear anything, you know? So it was, yeah. It was an we unusual had, situation, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. was unusual. Um, and even Dustin was like, yeah, you had like a pretty good, like the first, <laughs> first performance because nobody could hear anything, you know? It was, it was, yeah. And then we had free festivals, I think. But I remember when they picked me up at the airport, right? I had my flight case, right? And Brock was like, well, don't you want to jam in the car? Like, don't you want to take the cello out of the, the flight case, you know? So I was like, all right, I guess we are practicing in the bus, you know? So I'm like shitting my pants even more because now, <laughs> now I'm going to play in front of the guy on the freaking bus, you know? Like I was, but I was like so chill. We end up like not playing, but we we're just discussing like the, the, the songs and like the keys and whatever, <laughs> the on, you know? This but is secretly because like, Brock is like, wait, why does it take me three months to jam this stuff? And these string players just fly in here and they play it the first time <laughs> because <laughs> like they can read <laughs> that's true that yeah. i mean i'll agree that is a huge like plus getting the charts yeah. because that's another thing in the rock world it's like most of the time compared to classical it's like unless you're a studio player it's like oh yeah here's the stems just learn them <laughs> well we did lost symphony my brother was originally helping doing a lot of the arrangements but like we just had normal midi so brian's writing these parts you're like you can't play this on a- any kind of normal 
string instruments. This is like four string instruments that you have at once. And like mm-hmm. Brian didn't get it. He's like, you're using the wrong staff. I am. How do you? And like you had to sit there and like basically reverse engineer like what my brother was trying to do. And like with the notes he kind of wrote. And like that kind of do that. And it's like amazing yeah. to have someone again, like Mariko to sit there and just go, this is what he really wants. And then for you to go and hear the songs and then it's all written in front of you. And then Brock goes, well, how'd you get it? It's because you were born to play classical music, which I say is like basically channeling Beethoven or channeling Chopin because they're so particular down to the pianissimo, down to like, you know, the way it's played. Whereas as a rock musician, you just hear Hendrix and you just play it how you fucking feel it. So like, you're used to playing exactly a certain way and being told what to do. Whereas like Brock's just like, well, I guess I'm just going to play this. And it I took me a long time to fit in with this. <laughs> <laughs> Brock's just like, how low can I tune this string? I got to get this lower. Right. Oh. <laughs> this is actually E. This is dr- He told me he was in drop E. I'm like, isn't that the normal tuning? Wait, oh, you're playing bass. You're just yeah. playing bass, man. Yeah, Brock's yeah, most recent he, story he was like, sorry. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say, like, you know, they started rehearsing a little bit for the upcoming tour. And he's like, I spent all this time learning the new songs. Then I show up. We just rehearsed one of the old songs in a different key. And I didn't. <laughs> and he was like all messed up. And it's like, oh, damn. <laughs> he spent all this time practicing only to play the one thing he wasn't prepared to play. <laughs> uh, of course, it's like, that's Adam Hanna every week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, that's the one thing that I, I think that as a. Uh, a gigging musician who plays with cover bands and not only that, but multiple cover bands is learning uh, how to just go like, all right, this is, yeah. this, Oh, this artist plays in this key. And half the time it's like, Oh, this artist doesn't play that chord that's in the song. They, they, they use this chord and you, you don't get it the first chorus, but the second time you gotta be like, all right, remember what I'm doing this time. You know, it's a skill set that I think I never wanted to have, but I've developed quite well over the past few years. Well, I saw Corey. I've never realized how important having a capo was until I saw Corey play live. And then, like, because Adam Hanna not only plays in weird tunings, but then he's like, okay. And I'll see him go, like, whisper to Corey. I'm like, this is not good. And he'll be like, hey, why do that thing we haven't done in forever this certain way and then mash this together and we're going to do it in a different key. And I get to see Corey, like, taking his capo and, like, like just moving it to, like, where he thinks it's supposed to be and just going, fuck it. <laughs> I hope this works. And then he's like a kamikaze playing. I don't use capos. I, I look at Adam's capo to see what key we're playing in because he doesn't tell me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I play bar chords. <laughs> well, we can, definitely, we can definitely relate to that, especially doing some of the acoustic stuff as, you know, the tour we did recently is like, yeah, as a string player, it's, there's no capo. It's like if the singer's feeling it in a different key, it's like, all right, transpose in your head right yep. now. Yeah. And that's, right. Right. it sounds and easy, so but it's hard. Siobhan is so much better with this. She can like change the key like this. But for, I mean, I'm getting better with that. But when I started with, You're the great concept, with it, I was freaking out when it was like, oh, let's go help set down. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not good. Sometimes that helps set down for us is like, okay, now you're going to have like five flats, six flats, you know? So forget about yeah. open swing. Don't even think about it, you know? And, but sometimes <laughs> when he changes the key, it's like, oh, this is nice. We can use it. But we have to know those keys. Yeah. And it's funny. That's kind of like a nice uh, example, you know, talking about the way Brock approaches the songs where he's got to sit there and he's got to rehearse. He's got to listen. He's got to get everything down. Exactly. You guys have to come in and be kind of prepared for anything um, because you're going to be playing those songs for the tour but you know the tour gets back and the next weekend you might be playing these completely different songs right uh you know every, every day so the the mentality and like of uh you know musicians jumping from project to project 
even if you're doing a long tour, your mind's always going to be having stuff going in the back of your head. Whereas, you know, Brock's going to learn what an hour set. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> and the crazy together. part is you, you see you girls live. And, and the truth is, is that you sound unfucking believable. To, so to think the fact that you guys are like, have your feet to the fire and you still sound that good, like is unbelievable. Cause I know how hard it is being, you know, like watching a guy like Brock, I feel more cathartically for him. Cause like I've been more in his position going, okay, how do I make this work versus you girls are just owning it. I'm like, Oh, they, they know what they're doing. And like, meanwhile, you're like, we're freaking out, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think with with the guitar yeah. and the bass, there's there's a lot more of the sort of advanced preparation of building the tones and using the Kemper and yeah. a lot of that like sort of technical stuff, like how, what guitar tunings am I going to have? And that's like Brock's whole brain for a month up. Until that's two true. Or, that, like, that's one thing that that's especially with Star Set, where everything's you know, you're not just learning the chord progression. You got to have the effects switching and everything. And if, if you're behind on that, it's far more noticeable than maybe a quick little bad note that you can but slide But doesn't into. Dustin do it for you? I feel like Dustin does that with the lights, doesn't he? Like, I feel like he would just be like, you're going to play your Kemper. We're not going to have any sound guy. Because he actually said on our show, like, I'm sorry if you have a problem with that. I'm like, no, that's genius. Get rid of the sound guy. That guy's usually an asshole. And get, get rid of that. And it, we now have learned that you could change people's effects for them them without having a guy backstage through DMX 512 protocol. They're not getting rid of so the sound guy. It wasn't sound guy. It was, it was uh, guitar tech. Guitar tech. Guitar tech. Yes. Yeah. No, so well, yeah, sorry. I, I think, but yeah, he, I mean, Brock takes, you can have I mean, the lights it, do it. <laughs> in terms of building the tones, I mean, you know, Dustin concept, conceptualizes everything in, in terms of the record, but you know, then it's up to Brock and Ron and everybody mm -hmm. to kind of, you know, bring it to the live stage as best as possible. And I mean, that's another thing I learned from guitar players is like, the idea when you're dealing with an amplified instrument of building a tone or like an electric instrument is so different. You know, acoustic, we play, it's all like, okay, what is your contact point on the string? And are you playing with this type of bow stroke? Whereas mm -hmm. when you play with electric instruments, you're trying to achieve like a certain amplified tone. There's like all these parameters that I've never thought like, of in my life. Kind of like, like your technique changes a little bit too, because when you're amplified, you actually hear everything on it. Every little scratch, every little touch, every little, you know what I mean? Like change, Like it's so different. It's like, so much more, I don't know, exposed, I guess, mm -hmm. because it's so sure. right, you know, so, um, so yeah, it's definitely different. But yeah, I, I agree with Siobhan, like when you, you know, when you listen to the record on the Star Center and you have to bring it to the live version, you know, like, I feel like, yeah, Brooke has definitely way more work to do when it comes to, to, to that part of the work, you know. What so is, so is it kind of like, yeah. you know, Casals, uh, like when he figured out how to like make his left hand more limber to do the free bowing thing. Cause like, I feel like that's what it is. Like you don't realize how many parameters there is until you get to that Kemper, but it's the same thing as a cellist that like, if you actually stretch your hand and then you free bow it, you could do so much crazier shit. Ask Mario. What's free bowing? I don't know what you're talking about. What is free bowing? This is something well, we've freer, never heard of. Freer, excuse me, freer bowing. Oh, he's he's, he's <laughs> reading this. <laughs> he's got secretly got a teleprompter up here with all of his like intelligent, intelligent. Dude, he, you just blew up your spot. All those things you've ever said on every episode. <laughs> No, that's actually, the funny part is I just got this fucking monitor, but yeah, no, I would, I actually <laughs> written this down. <laughs> I had written it down earlier. All of Ben's like, useless right, trivia. I, I want it. No, I read it. Well, listen, I pre-prepared. <laughs> I wrote notes. I, wrote, I, didn't, I didn't read freer. It was, it looked like free, freer, freer Boeing. 
Whatever well, that the means. Point is, the point is, yeah, <laughs> you have to, you have to, through experience, you have to have access to tapping into different techniques on the spot, depending on the situation you're in, which as like a hired gun, it's great. You know, you get a lot of experience doing that where it's like, okay, today you might get one sound check in a rehearsal and you have to figure out how to blend in with this band mm-hmm. or, you know, how to alter the way you're playing with the bow so that it's not, you, you know, like adjusting your sound to fit in with the texture of what's going on around you. And that, that can be difficult, you know? Right. So, and for us, like it, with Star Set, a lot of it on our side of the strings is kind of choosing what elements to highlight because it is very orchestral. It is, you know, there's one single violin and cello playing live, but I mean, the actual stems are very, very dense in a lot of cases. So, so how know, do you so- guys go about um, deciding what part to bring forward in that? Oh, so I'll start. <laughs> so when, when, um, when I wrote charts for the divisions, the, um, the album, the last album before this last one that is going to come up. Um, I wrote all, I took from the stems all the cello parts. So I wrote cello parts, right? And that's what I was playing. But the thing is like the cello blends a lot with the guitar sound, you know, on, and especially like the big shows, the live shows. Um, and it's, you can't really hear it a lot of times unless the sound guy is constantly adjusting, you know, stuff. So this time around, there's so many parts to choose from. Like there's like, what was it like? Maybe like a three, four violin parts. I mean, probably like two, three violin parts, parts and then viola part and the cello parts. And then actually I hear bass parts, like a, a mm-hmm. five bass parts in the stems a lot. So what I did, I was actually going from like the second violin part, to the viola part to the cello part, depending on like what point the song, like, cause sometimes the cello part is important in the song. So. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, Siobhan, on the charts that I send you, like, it's kind of like that. You yeah. Know? So you can actually, like, hear me. Hopefully it's going to work. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I can tell no, you I mean, what I learned from Corey is always put a high-pass filter on everything and only leave the things that you're actually supposed to hear coming out the base. Because I've learned that if you just cut off all those frequencies, you're not competing with anything. I don't think most so shows have like, a high-pass filter, but... Yeah. No, no, but I'm saying the sound guy. Just make this, make this, cut everything off, and then just make sure that like you put like a. So what I did in the song because I, I did a song with with cello, I just put like different like a, a telephone filter on one of them, and it just kind of like raised her completely above the mix in a way where you could just hear because she was like, I can't hear myself. I'm like, that's important. And then Siobhan then calls me afterwards after she makes me pain through figuring out all of her genius takes that don't go together, um, how I can make it all work together. And then she goes, it sounds a little bit soft. I'm like, fuck you. I made you soft because you're supposed to be a texture. But I'd like to be more upfront. So then I put it all together and made it work. (laughs) It sounds so soft. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I read her text to myself. Oh my gosh. But but coming back to the star set stuff though, you know, you have to always think about what is supposed to be the audience experience, right? So people are used to listening to the album and then they come to the show wanting to basically hear some version of the album that's close to the things that they relate to. So, you know, the hooks are important. If it's a synth thing that right. we want to try and cover live, like there are a lot of cases where maybe the string part is really just complimentary and it's not yeah. really important. So, yeah. you know, it's more important to to highlight you know the hook or the important element that people are going to relate to emotionally so yeah there there is some decision and that's what a lot of the rehearsal is for is figuring out in the pre-pro you know for tour what we're going to do and what's effective and and then of course like when we do the acoustic versions then it changes you know oh yeah 
I think we cover probably a lot more of the actual like songs, not just the string parts, like in the acoustic versions, because we have to cover all the electronic elements that aren't there in the acoustic versions. Right. Somebody's going to pick up the slack, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's a lot more naked. Yeah. What did you guys uh, think about the, the acoustic tour? Like how, how did that compare to your, your full stage production? I loved it. I loved it. I was, um, it was actually really nice to hear everything you know because it's like i said a lot of times you can't hear the string i mean you hear the strings but you can't hear them like specifically you know like during this acoustic tour we go like i really enjoyed it i hope we can do more of these because it was it was a nice experience for me i agree and i think getting feedback from people in the audience you know we get so immersed in our own heads of like oh like how's our tone and like intonation and stuff. And then you talk to people and you discover what is it that is important to them. And a lot of people, like we've said in the last episode here with their eyes, it's like they, some people may not connect that the violin is playing that part until they see it up close. They're like, Oh, that thing that I've been hearing is the violin, you know? And so, yeah, I think it was really cool to like realize that actually how people are experiencing it is, is different from how we experience it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Your crazy arpeggio and it has the end, at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would cover that's like actually, one of the that's actually a synth part as well, like in the in the like the um like a record song. Yeah. So in the, the live version of it has begun, there's like a crazy like arpeggiator that's on a synth. Yeah. But in the acoustic version, I was I was covering that because we didn't have the synth part. And I, Ryan, our sound guy, like didn't even realize I was playing that until I told him, I'm like, crank me up there, man, because people want to <laughs> right. hear that part. Because that's like, that's like the hook of that section. Everyone yeah, wants to hear the crazy so awesome. arpeggiator. And yeah, so he started doing that like during this acoustic tour and people- and when and he did it, stopped. when he did it for the first time in, in Atlanta, people literally gave us like a standing ovation. They were yeah. insane. They were like, oh my God, that was amazing. I'm like, that's all because you turned up the violin at the end of it has begun. <laughs> see, well, see, Ben, I mean, Siobhan yells it all engineers to turn her up so don't feel bad i get it too. no <laughs> well i mean i gotta tell you it's funny that z says that like she's like it's the first time i can hear myself and i just think of like george orwell that some people that everybody's created equal but some people are more equal than others because <clears throat> when i saw them i watched the sound check and dustin and ron definitely did not seem to think that the sound was very good so i'm wondering to myself are you guys normally just in the dark and it's mostly just vocals and all these things because it's now naked. So like from a sound perspective, it was interesting to hear all the violins and and all the strings because it also shows how good you are. And it also shows that people you are, you're right. They are watching you with their eyes. So where you're in an orchestra, they're not watching with their eyes. They're like listening. Like, is she fucking it up? You guys like literally like barely have to do anything. Like just play the note like kind of right and people would like forgive you for everything as long as you look like a space person <laughs> I don't know that that's the case but um no I mean I, not to jump in first but I'll say you know uh, playing the, a live show on a big stage where there's it's amplified and you're wearing in-ears is a completely different experience than playing acoustically right I mean to me you know even though I love playing rock music I don't love using in-ear monitors I don't necessarily like having to compete with guitars in terms of hearing stuff it's always a lot harder for me to hear stuff well with the tone that I like to hear it on in in the big stage show yeah so I mean I think it's always easier for me when it's an acoustic setting it's nicer I feel like I have more control so that's just my perspective I don't know about you Z yeah yeah I feel the same way yeah it's always harder and like you know we even though we do our own mixes we have iPads we have like apps on our iPads and then you can adjust you know your mix it's still 
in general, I'm not really crazy about in-ears, using the in-ears, you know, because you kind of feel like you're a little bit, a little bit out. Isolated. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, but it's... Do you, guys it's have an, do you guys have an ambient mic on stage that you can mix in? I don't think so, actually. I mean, sometimes I have, like, the vocal mics, but Talk, it, it's not... If, you, sh you guys should have... I mean, this is common. It's not, not anything groundbreaking, but you should have a... Just toss a mic on stage or in front of the stage to get crowd noise or anything so you don't feel like you're so... Uh, uh -huh separate yeah. like that's, that's, that's a, a pretty that's common a it's a pretty common thing for people yeah. some people get freaked out with in-ears they feel like way no, too believe, me, believe me Corey, i never feel alone in my head <laughs> <laughs> i think you're right though because it's funny because our perception of like an audience energy especially like big festivals like some of them that we played recent were like oh these people weren't into it at all yeah and then like somebody that was that was one of the techs or the sound guy is like no people were crazy and they were doing all this stuff yeah. and we're like wow we had a totally different experience yeah. because uh -huh. we're just so toss separated. an ambient mic on stage just for the in-ear mixes so you feel like you're actually on stage with people good yeah. tip. well that's that's the other thing is that also shows that you girls know how to play blind because when you play thinking that like because the best players in my mind go up there thinking, I'm not going to hear myself. I'm going to suck. In fact, we played a show with Ollie Herbert, may he rest in peace, where they actually turned the mic away from his amp. So we're just like, oh, well, you, at least oh they're God, hearing it out there. Wrong. And they didn't even fucking hear it out there because it was turned the wrong way. But you, you you played perfectly, I'm sure. So everyone's like, wow, they're fucking loving it out there. And meanwhile, on stage, you're like smiling. You're like, why are we playing this bullshit? <laughs> I mean, it's always, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where like, I'm sure you do this too, Z. It's like, I have to find videos after the show. I'm like, how did that actually sound? You right. know, because like what you hear in your ears, especially like if you're using a pickup on an acoustic instrument, like the tone isn't always great, you know, without yeah. the effect on it. And it's hard to hear the overtones for intonation and stuff like that. So you're always like, well, I think I played well, but who yeah. knows? Right. <laughs> yeah. even, though, even though we use both, like we use pickup and microphones, but, you know, sometimes the venues are not as big where you can't really use. You have to pull more from the DI, yeah. So you have to do the DI, yeah, especially because of, like, all the drums, nonsense, you know. <laughs> I'm surprised that Dustin hasn't built boxes around you just for COVID reasons so that you guys could be like, you know, totally in your own sound box where really you hear nothing and it's all perfect. So every night he can record you. So when he's like, we want to do another record, he's like, it's already done. Well, I've already catalog cataloged all of your so your sounds, every note. I had you play this song, and now it's all in my keyboard. I'm going to Nashville, and I'm making another record. <laughs> Goodbye. I don't know if you saw that iteration, though, but there was a period before Z's time where we were, I think it was even before Mariko, where we were in boxes, where I had my own... Uh, like Adam was in his cube that was the automatic frosting cube that Dustin talked about when he was oh on the episode. God. And all three, yeah, both the cello and the violin and Adam had that. And so it was like three cubes where the projection that would frost and the projections would show yeah. up. And that's Which where is all a great, final great story, by the way, that Dustin told on 2020. So just, just want to reach out. Anyone that's listening or watching that's a Starset fan that's watching or listening because <laughs> we're talking Starset stuff, make sure you go back because we've, we've talked a lot of Starset on 2020 here. Brock to, too and Adam? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. 2020-d.com. Ron, you're on notice. Go to the archive page and check out all the star set stuff we've talked about. The the frosted Adam Cube is is one of my favorites. So <laughs> it's it's a good story. A lot of spinal tap moments there with uh weird technological snafus. Oh, I just love that Steve Wood thought he was a guitarist for so long. He's like, So what kind of guitar do you play? And he's like, Well, I actually had to sell strawberries I picked in the fields. To be able to buy Only my Steve first crappy guitar. Only Steve Wood can make that joke. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, it was. I was so unbelievable. Like the 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 fact that like, oh man, I, you have to go back and watch it. Z. It's literally like if you go back and watch it, it's so surreal. Watch like the the two most unlikely, the unlikeliest people in the world to be talking to each other. It's hilarious. <laughs> So check it out. Steve Wood and yeah. Dustin Bates on, on 2020. Go, I go, love go them both so much. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah that was when we were on a tour, right? That was when we were on the bus. So I, I had asked Dustin to do episodes before, but then, you know, all of a sudden he walked back and I was like, oh, you should come say hi. And then it turned into him doing a whole episode with like a different guest that we had. And I was like, all right, well, I just sat next to him. So, I mean, no one saw me on the episode, but I was literally sitting next to him, like baking in the heat of the back lounge because we have to turn the AC off, you know, because uh, it's so right. loud. It's like, <laughs> so I had, to, I had to turn it off so that he could do the episode. And I'm sitting like caressing Ernie, the dog like trying to make sure that he doesn't jump over and knock the microphone right, off. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I remember. Yeah, that was when we were on the acoustic tour. out after to the front lounge. Speaking yeah. of tour, do you guys have any good tour stories you can share? So any adventures that have happened recently? Oh my God. Dowling. Do you have any good stories? I'm curious to hear like from your perspective. I feel like I've told some before on previous episodes, but... Uh, I don't think I have like any crazy. Well, right. like, While you think that doesn't be anything crazy, what what was your favorite, you know, stop on on any tour? Like, what was any any like memorable moment that you got you came across to, or like a place you visited? We like, oh, I didn't didn't expect this, you know, anything like that. Um. Well, um, I really loved Paris when we were in Europe, and I think it was a great show. Uh, and then also when we were in. I don't remember if there was in Germany, one of the Germany, Germany cities. I remember that moment when people were just going absolutely nuts. And next thing you know, Dustin is like in the audience and they're like, I don't know how you call those things. Then he's like, oh, crowd surfing. I feel like that was Amsterdam. I don't know. But I I remember that. Yeah, I don't know. But one of the things that one of the many things that I love about Starset and what they're doing is that it seems like first of all their lyrics are super clean you can literally bring your kids to the shows you know they're like super clean they're very deep and there's a lot of fans that come up to Dustin like I've seen it so many times they come up to Dustin and they're like man thank you so much for saving my life like it's 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 unbelievable like it how many how many lives wards can save you know it's yeah no, that's, one, that's one of the things that it's that it's that it's, it's a lot of a lot of um i've seen it like so many times here and and in, even in europe yeah, yeah. Uh, no i'll agree it's, it's pretty incredible to be yeah overseas or in places where a lot of people don't even speak english like you know russia where you do the vip and you, you can't right. necessarily hold a conversation, but everyone knows every single lyric. And you can tell the songs that are like super heavy hitting for people yeah. in different areas. And yeah, I've experienced that too. People that have said that to me. And, you know, sometimes I'm like, man, I, I wish I could say something because I didn't even write the lyrics. But that's incredible to me to observe that, right? That right. Yeah. It, it really is like very moving and yeah, life-saving for some people. 
we we get like pretty immersed in the technicalities of music and I think it's a good thing to come back to is like music mm-hmm. is an emotional experience you know and there should be joy and there should be like something. you're arrangers you guys are arranging you just said it so like people that don't understand because I'm listening to you and I understand this because of Lost Symphony and certainly Corey understands it as well but like to be able to go from a viola part to a violin part to a double bass part to a cello part and like back and forth and doing all that sort of stuff and then going from a texture to a lead instrument to having a different tone. Like people don't understand how complex that is. And I bet you it's, I mean, Dustin probably appreciates it, but he probably pays you to not understand it completely because he'll be like, just make it work. (laughs) And like the job that you're supposed to do is you're supposed to arrange eight, cello parts or eight string parts and make that you or even possibly a keyboard part that's gone rogue that like no one's going to be able to arpeggiate and everyone's like all of a sudden like this horse can go fast so like that's the thing like and I don't think you're appreciated for that I want people to understand that that's a really hard thing especially considering you do it in borderline real time yeah. Well, I think that's that's something that's worth noting is like that's part of the job description of being like what we do is being able to like jump into any scenario and like the great way buffalo <laughs> take complete charge. And, and I think that's something why Star Set works in a lot of ways. Everybody is like ultimately very responsible for their own corner of whatever right. it is that they're doing, you know, and the, the ability to trust that that person that's what the violinist or the cellist or the tour manager, whatever it is, to be completely reliable and responsible for everything that they do that's in their jurisdiction, you know, that's like essential to the functionality of any group or any band. You know, if you have to micromanage someone or check in to make sure that they're like, you right. know, putting in the right amount of check in. Care. I saw what you did there. Ah! <laughs> Another Queen's Gambit reference. Okay. <laughs> no, I was saying like Czech Republic, like oh, she's Slovakian. Like, check, checkmate. <laughs> Oh, well, that'd be so funny, many, too. So Guess what? When you, did put, when you did play the Queen's Gambit with her, you'd be a checkmate. Like me yeah. from Tag. Yeah. Well, yeah. That. Sure. So. <laughs> but going back to, like, the string parts and, like, the, you know, like, what Dustin, like, I, I feel like Dustin is pretty much, pretty much gives us, like, a, like a free... Um, carte blanche free reign yeah yeah and unless he feels that like oh this is not comfortable then he will say something but most of the time he's like fine you know yeah. whatever no, i mean you're you're right it's like the rare occasion like i remember one time i was playing a piano party he's like that's not that's not the part i was playing actually a cello part and he was like no don't play there <laughs> yeah, it's it's rare but when it happens you're like oh shit okay okay <laughs> and like every time i play that part now i think about that one like five right. second moment in rehearsal where i'm like this is the part <laughs> but that's good because okay so one thing i have to say about siobhan and working with her for so long is that she is such a consummate classical player that when you ask so she, i'll give you an idea Corey, you'll appreciate this so we did this song mar uh Marico, Mariko? Mariko plays first. <laughs> You're getting right? further from the... Pro- <laughs> no, I, 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 want, I want to understand the dynamic... Yes. The, the, the dynamics of these of the players. And she plays this over Hector Hellion, which is this crazy bass part with... And that's what it is with unbelievable drums. And she plays this whimsical, crazy, over-the-top, absolutely outrageous cello part. And you're like, okay, this is a cello song now. And Susanna, who I had asked first to play on it, was like, I'll do something now. I'm like, what could she possibly do? And then she writes the most amazing counterpart. I'm like, 
Holy fucking shit! Just sends me one track. I'm like, that's all I needed. And all she complained about was one. One time I bounced it. It wasn't in time because I didn't <laughs> line it up right. And fair. And then the second time it wasn't loud enough. And okay. So I, I fixed both those things. But Siobhan, I just threw all of her shit in because it was like two o'clock in the morning and I'm already like halfway into my colada pit in my joint. And I'm like, this is going to be fine because it's Siobhan. Oh, it's not. Because they were all like six separate ideas that were great by themselves. But together, they every once in a while matched up. And there was like a moment where it was like, oh, we're all together. And then it was just like, I'm going to go down a different choose your own adventure. And maybe I'll do this. And like she couldn't make up her mind. And then she sent me 18 mic tracks. 18. I'm like, you couldn't have picked the one you liked the most? She's, she's like, but I don't know if you want to do like, So I'm trying to bust them at first. And then I'm like, fuck <laughs> this. I'm choosing one. And then I say, I'm using the AKG. And she says, no, I think the ribbon sounds better. I'm like, then just plug that one in. This is why every Lost Symphony uh, song has a string uh, project where I mix all the strings <laughs> in hundreds of know, tracks. I, and then I, I bring them in. I bring them into the actual songs, you know, procession, <laughs> and then they're all just down to two tracks. <laughs> that might be right, but this, 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 like, demonstrates the difference between, like, you know, sending stuff to Corey and sending stuff to Ben. Corey's like, okay, thank you for your string tracks. And then Ben is like, no, 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 no. He's like, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. He's like, you need to be decisive and pick the microphone you want and send me one track. And he's like, yelling at me. But I mean, he's right. He's right. This is like, and I'm sure you'll relate to this. Because you're like, so totally good. Susanna, she did that. She sent me one track and it was perfect. And so if I could amazing. refute anything, if I could refute anything, I, I can't. Because I was like, wow, she listened to the song. And here's the thing too. You are the <laughs> last on the song. There's no excuse for you to be fucking all over the place. You're the last one. There's nothing else. So if it sounds weird to you, it sounds weird to me too. Well, listen, that, that's an art in itself. It's hard. I think it's very hard to arrange and to write something that is like, and like I say, it's like if I'm given a blank slate to write a song, it's like I will overcomplicate it to the ninth degree, right? Like I'm amazed. But if by you're with me, write. if we wake up and we drink some coffee and I just go, go in there, give me a third, give me a, in real time, you'll read my mind. You'll know exactly what harmony to do and you'll get a whole fucking song done in like an hour like with, with ideas and like locking with guitar parts that are completely ridiculous with all this crazy feel and it's because you're just being told what to do. You well, need someone to conduct you. This is a recurrent theme of the show, Z, that we've talked about in other episodes. The importance of a producer having a team of people that, you know, you have complementary skills, right? So my weakness is being completely indecisive. I'm like, and, and of course, being married to Brock Staggeringly Richards, indecisive. Like, he's like, you have to have like a million backup plans. It's like, you you need to, your tone is the most important. You need to have five mic choices and all this stuff and you need uh. to mix the mics together and it's this whole like thing, which I understand to each his own. But yeah, it's, it's, I think it's very hard for me to be decisive and that's, that's a, probably a classical music thing too because it's like, if you're a studio player, it's like, all right, play it this way, then play it that way. That just reminded me, like, I'm so sorry, Benny, I've never responded to your text yesterday. He says, I called Siobhan and told her about how to be decisive. Decisive. I did. I did. Oh, wow. Look at him being so drama queen, good. texting he, all my friends. I did. <laughs> no, because he was texting me that he was, like, bouncing the new mix. No, because I woke up that morning and I realized that 
So she's two times brought out things that were very smart that I didn't hear because one time I raced my own piano part. That was ju- <laughs> I was telling Corey that I had to re-record my own piano part well, exactly nice. by listening to it. Yeah, but I didn't ridiculous. notice it until she called me or she messaged me like, um, you're missing bars. And I'm like, oh, right. that's why none of that lined up. Oh, I'm missing a lot of stuff. And I tried to go to all my like recent files and it wasn't there. I'm like, I have to do this again. It's fine. I think okay. that we've adequately bored our audience. Yeah, this with we are we are off, <laughs> I, I'm I'm bored. So let's. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we'll we'll bring it back to Z. Was Star Set your first touring experience, or was yeah. there anything else before? Yeah, I made the Fence of Rock touring, but it was like ten days. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. That because that kind of makes it real. Like uh, you know, because I I'm a gigging musician, but I'm not a touring musician. So there's like there's like a step above, you know, and the, you know, even even if I do it for a full time gig, it's different. What was that like when it became, you know, oh, I'm traveling now, I'm on a bus, I'm on a plane. Like, how did that feel for you? Yeah, that was definitely a huge adjustment for me because I've never done touring on the bus, so I had to like kind of get. Hopefully, by this tour, I get it right. You know, you're like learning, like every tour I go to, like, okay, I got to simplify my life. I got to simplify my life. I don't need this. I don't need that. You know, you don't want all this crap on, you know, touring on the bus. But it was definitely like a huge adjustment for me. You know, sleeping in the bunk is so different than sleeping in my bed, you know, or any bed, you know. Could Um, you sleep in the bunk? Like, did you find it hard after going on tour? Were you just so beat up? Like, were you staring like at the top of the bunk all night? That's definitely like think that is probably the least favorite thing being on the tour sleeping in the bunk you know um and just the whole like the, the whole daily schedule was so you know different you know like you get the showers and like it's just so different you know and it's and and the the, the costumes that we are wearing the preparation to get into the costumes you know like and those costumes are the fabric is just so light that you can't put your your wireless pegs on your shorts because they will fall. You know? <laughs> so for me, yeah. so we use free free wireless pegs. One is like your in ear peg, then one is for the mic, and one is for di. So for me, I have to have my two wireless pegs right here. Okay, so it's it's so like. It's so weird to play with those packs, you know? I mean, you don't see them because we are wearing the coat over it, you know? But that's the only place I can really have them. I think Siobhan has them in the back. You have all of them in the back. And then one yeah. is on, on my cello. Um, so, you know, wearing those costumes is very different. It's, uh, it's, it's you know, we're exposed <laughs> a lot, you know, in those costumes. And now... Uh, and just uh, being on those risers, you know, and it's just the whole schedule. Like in the morning, like you, you kind of get up late because, you know, those shows are late. So you get up late, you know, it takes a little while to like, oh my God, where am I? You know, what's my life right now? What's my name, you know? And then um, you kind of get ready. And then usually we have a soundtrack for like the VIP um, acoustic shows. And then, uh, then you have only like a couple of hours um before the big show and then you have the show so the schedule is just like it's like the, basically same every day yeah but regimented. It's, weird. it's very weird from what i was used to you know 
Yeah. And no, I, I agree. I mean, it's, it's underrated how much extra energy you have to invest in like normal life stuff. Like, how am I going to brush my teeth? I have to use a water bottle because I can't drink the water that's on the bus. And yeah, where am I going to find a shower today? Yeah. And like, how am I going to keep my clothes from like smelling really bad after I sweat in like a hot club? You know, like it's, right. it's all these things that like in daily life you take for granted. But when you're living in like, yeah, basically a tube with 12 other people, it's, yeah. it's very yeah, different. Exactly. So that was, yeah, that was, and uh, like, if you would come to my apartment, hopefully one, one day you guys can, you know, come visit, uh, everything is perfect here. Yeah. Everything. So, so you're a... Yeah, very, um, what's the word? Like very OCD. Organized. Very organized, you know, and then that's not happening on a tour life. That's just not so happening. That's actually, that brings up a good point. So for our listeners who may or may not ever be on a bus with 12 people touring the country, what are your like top five tips for surviving that situation and, and, and maintaining your own sanity and cleanliness and all the things that you take that we take for granted a good in, our, in our own lives. Yeah, that is a good question. So, well, I feel like I just gave up on the clean list. <laughs> <laughs> no, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, well, keep your stuff organized. Keep your stuff to minimum. Don't bring, you know, the whole closet on a tour, you know, because like you don't really need it. There's like no fashion statements. You can't, you can't, you can't really, there's no fashion going out on a tour you know on the bus so uh that would be one for one thing keep your stuff the minimum you know just um simplify your life <laughs> um i don't know i don't even know what i would like what i would what i would uh you know siobhan do you have any, I, any points uh, yeah to- for yeah, for me, like wet wipes are the most amazing invention ever. Oh, because okay. If yeah. you yeah, if you can't have a shower, you should always have wet wipes. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's one wipe. good way to stay clean. But yeah, I I totally agree. Like definitely condense your life because I did the same thing. The first tour, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't condense to one giant suitcase because I need to have outfits. And you realize you're gonna wear the same thing every day. You're gonna rewear your leggings and wear the same t-shirt and the same whatever. Right. Um, yeah, and then other than that, I mean, I live off Trader Joe's. Any city I'm in, I find where the closest Trader Joe's is and I stock up and I'm shameless about it. I'm like, I'm going to have all of my food ready because that's the worst. You'll end up yeah. being stuck in a city where you can't find something to eat. And like Z's vegan, I'm vegetarian. It can be a huge pain in the ass. So yeah, like right. like weird lifestyle things like that. You have to really, it just takes a lot of planning and it takes a couple of tours to get used yeah. to what your rhythm is and mm-hmm. staying on a schedule. Yeah, and get like, uh, for me, you know, I'm in my 40s now, so I definitely feel better now being vegan than 10 years ago. But it is important to be healthy and get strong before you go on a tour like this, because you better be in shape. Well, what do you, what do you do? Okay, so I know this about Siobhan, that like when I've hung out with her, that she works out obnoxiously, and that she's always Mm -hmm. sweating every morning, and that like, you know, she the way that she looks is because she tries really hard too. Do you girls... I like, I know that it's a rigorous thing. Like, listen, I, I have a bad back. So I work out, walk, bike, like do whatever I have to do every single day just to maintain like normal upright life. What do you girls do? What would you suggest doing as far as working out? If you're going on tour and trying to look like you do at 40, holy fuck. Like you again, chalice for star set just means that you're cryogenically frozen. Trey well, Cools, Trey fucking cool for being your Trey guy. 
Um, so we actually did that. We had a pretty good routine. Uh, it was actually Siobhan, Ron, and I would get up in the morning and go to gym every morning. We would work out, you know, we would shower, get ready, and then go back. And we would sometimes we would shop at Trader Joe's, you know. Sometimes we got to go to Whole Foods, you know. And we stuck up on on just. I was just say just the three. Like, what what was Brock doing during this? Uh, Brock was Brock was in his underpants, like talking it. So so that yeah, Brock went. Brock was like, oh, maybe I'll go. But Brock's like naturally just skinny, you know. So he's like, I I think he doesn't have to worry. I mean, I think he wish he went, but you know, he would go every once in a while. Adam would talk about going. Yeah, yeah. But but we yeah the three we got into a good routine. Yeah, we would get up and it's like ten a.m. It's like and I, I I'm. I tended to be the one that would want to sleep in a little bit later. Like I always like to sleep in until like just about 10. Z yeah, was always up super so early. Good. You did so good on this. Tour. You were like, okay, darling, I'm up. I'm up. I'm just give a coffee. I'm up. I'm up. You know? <laughs> and then I got home from tour and I was working out. I was like, where are my workout buddies? Like this is, this is not fun, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's good. It, that's what we do. Like we work out every morning and, and just, you know, Get going in the morning and it just gives you the energy and I feel better, like even like mentally. If I if I would like skip a day, I was like in the bad mood. I was like, oh I Yeah, me too. Well you're sitting on a it's bus for so long and and a lot routine, of the time. You know? Well, I was going to say, you're sitting on a bus for so long, and a lot of the times you're just waiting. I mean, like, you have to think about the fact that, like, okay, you do this, you have to be here for this, but then you have two hours. But then you have to do this, but it's not all at once. So it's one of those things where you can do a routine, but you can also kind of refresh yourself. And, you know, you watch so much trash television or sit on a bus all day or whatever. You you feel gross. So, like, when you yeah. work out, and, and, and you're a guy like Ron, who's fucking huge. Like, of course that guy goes to the gym every single day. He's a bass player. He has to try so much harder. He looks beautiful underneath that space helmet and his arms are fucked like you could tell underneath the spacesuit that dude's fucking packing some serious fucking guns yeah yeah Ron is definitely uh photons yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that that was our team that was that was our our routine and yeah yeah it takes time to get used to it but yeah good. so I mean, any, anyone listening or you know if you're gonna go on tour they just write this stuff down. This is important. <laughs> Work out. Well, I mean, that's, that's such an important thing. I mean, listen, like you. it helps and mentally too. You will feel so much better. I'm telling so basically you, I'm what you're saying I'm in bad mood. If I, if I work out, if I don't put total horse shit in my body that's like, you know, completely processed and I actually like try to clear my mind by getting my heart beating that like I'll feel better. You don't put a horse shit into you into your body, number one. <laughs> well, I don't mean literal horse shit. I mean like monosodium glutamate. I was I was basically creating a metaphoric thing where I'm really referring to like monosodium glutamate or just normal uh, as ascorbic acid and and those things that they use to put inside of everything instead of just like you know cream. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, that not not to change the topic, but all all good interesting information i have a question for you that i should probably ask to all guests that we have but you know so you're at this point in your trajectory in your career what is there a particular dream that you have whether it's outside of star set or in music or something completely unrelated that you want to realize that's a project that you've wanted to do or i'm just curious like something that you would love to do that you haven't gotten to yet 
Uh, I would love to have um, like a wedding company, not just for like a wedding ceremony music. I don't know if you guys know, but I provide, that's my company um, that I provide wedding ceremony music, but I would love to have like the company for all of it, you know, like production, entertainment production company. Yeah. What do you like about that? Um, Because that's everything I hate about music. (laughs) It's, It's all the business stuff. Yeah. So what? What? Oh, what right. you, well, no, I would be just like the the owner and the boss, and I would have people working for me. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> just, just be the boss. Yeah. But we I also have... call her Ziva. Ziva is her other nickname. So Diva, but with a Z, because she is the queen. Yeah, Ziva. Ziva. Nice. So you have that. You have that right now. You just want to continue moving forward and building that. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I just. I. I don't know. I just love the vibe, you know, like I play some weddings and I just love the vibe. I still get choked up when I hear, you know, them talking about their vows, you know, and it's just flowers and it's like, it's like a fairy tale, you know? So I want to have the company who can create it for couples. That sounds married. like a nightmare to me. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Good for you. Because it's yeah, funny. And then, <laughs> and then number two dream is I need a chauffeur. Okay, that's my number two dream. I need to have a chauffeur. You know how I thought you said chauffeur. Like, give me, like, I'm like, give me your credit card. I'll shop for you all totally fucking day long. Unexpected. I chauffeur. Know. That's funny. That was, that's just like on the on the joke side. But I mean, for real, actually, I want to have a chauffeur. Ask anybody. Like, like I, do you want to go Maybach? I don't drive on freeways ever. There's okay? this thing called Uber. It's amazing. It's going to change your life. It's like a chauffeur on demand. <laughs> yeah, but it's nice. I agree. It's nice to have somebody that like knows you and they are into your routine. Yeah, like, I, I, I get it. I get it. All like twenty four seven, you know. So, you know, yeah, it would be nice. That's it's an admirable dream. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think you'll get that. I feel like that's a, actually quite a conquerable dream. You know what I mean? Because like I I see people like we had our guest like Shannon Larkin and he has a full time five day a week pond guy. I'm like, there's a guy that works five days a week for you that does ponds. So I can see that, like, why can't Z from Star Set, a completely ubiquitous band that's everywhere, all over the place, not get herself a chauffeur five days of the week if she wants to go out five days, four days of the week. That's a totally conquerable goal. And I don't think it's unrealistic if you just manifest it. Yeah, And when your company blows up as well, please hire me. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Good for you, though, because yeah. like some people, it, it's funny, depending on what musician you ask, some people just like can't, they don't want anything to do with weddings. They can't stand doing them, you know, and then other people absolutely love it. And then some people hate it. the administrative stuff. Some people I love I can't the stand doing stuff. them, but I like paying my bills. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I like buying studio Gear. I like being able to make $3,500 in a night to basically play Earth, Wind, and Fire, and then I dance up and down, and the police... Actually, the craziest thing I will say is I did a wedding, and this guy gave me $700 because there was a huge family coup d'etat, but like I brought them together with the Turtles and Dion and the Belmonts, and afterwards, I was like, $700? It was. The, guy, the, the family asked for a prenup two days before, and I'm like, what does this dude do that he's so fucking rich that he needs a prenup and it was a really nice wedding and all they danced for a long time turns out he brought down the mob he's like one of the most famous lawyers on the planet and he brought down the mob but because i'm a dj 
Just the dude that played new Dion in the Belmonts. He was like, thank you so much for being so knowledgeable. The mom who wanted the prenup was dancing with the girl who wouldn't take pictures with mom at the beginning when she left on the boat like they were scowling at each other. But later, they were dancing. And this guy's thanking me, not for my talents, not for practicing piano, not for being an engineer, not for anything other than I played Dion and the fucking Belmonts at the right time, and it brought his family together. What a good story about Ben to end the episode with Zuzana <laughs> on. <laughs> Zuzana, thank you so much. Thank you for spending time with us. Uh, we'll, we'll just have to have you back so we can talk more. Yeah, can you yeah. can you tell us about your about your wedding company and anything else you want to promote where we can share Everything. what you're doing? Oh yeah, totally. Oh, that's so nice. Okay, so it's uh, the name of the company is Las Vegas Musicoises. Um, you know, you can check out our website. It's the same lasvegasmusicoises.com, and we provide all kinds of ensemble. one more time. What was it? I think you, you dropped it's out a Las, little bit. Las Vegas Music Las- Oasis. Yes correct las vegas music oasis and basically message you for anything at all to do with a wedding in las vegas right now it's the wedding ceremony music ceremony music that's the music anything about the music yeah where can we follow you posting photos on on the instagram too like with beautiful everyone's in beautiful dresses and beautiful music but yeah tell everyone where they can follow you give us the at yeah, you can follow us on follow us on Instagram um, and Facebook. It's under the same name, Las Vegas Music Oasis. Um, I post stuff about that on my personal Instagram as well. And by uh, the way, on behalf of the show, congratulations! I noticed the huge rock on your finger. We <laughs> know that you just got engaged. You just got engaged. We met your wonderful uh, fiance. So congratulations from us. Like, honestly, we're so happy for you. And um, certainly we want to hear from him sometime. If you come back on the show, you should uh, have him come say hello. Thank you so much. Yes, I will. Okay, so with that, you've been 2020. Thanks to Zuzana, my darling Z from Starset, my co-hosts, Benny and Corey. This has been an amazing two episodes with Zuzana. So check out part one, part two. Subscribe at 2020-d.com and you've been 2020. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com, like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 93, featuring Dustin Bates of Starset. Check it out. In general, because of the way that music is uh, consumed now, it is it is smart to, to do play the single game. And uh, if I, nine times out of ten, if I was in a different band, I would I would really hone in on that and maximize that to its absolute optimization but in our band because of the cinematic we're the advantage and advantages when bands are at least trying to do that we're entirely bucking that trend and it's a it's focused primarily on the album and not just like but you when you do that it can't just be like an album with like three pretty good songs and then some duds i have to start 60 songs in some form every album because I want every song to be super good in at least some way maybe it's not a single type of goodness but for the the, the star set fan or, yeah. or you know various other reasons but Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. 
Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.